Hey there, if you have any Amazon gift cards laying around from the recent holidays, uh, something amazing you can do is actually to go to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar and uh, use those with our Amazon referral link. This is an amazing way to help support the network, um, and uh, we really appreciate anybody who takes the extra step. That step, going to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar and, you know, doing the thing. Thanks. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a ascended favorite. <laughs> yes, it is a slug mare favorite. And this week, mm-hmm. we are uh, alone again, and we are reading your responses to the end game of the main body of Bloodborne. Yeah. Um, so everybody came out in force. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're still looking forward to and looking for responses about the DLC. Mm-hmm. But Which for you now, can do at duckbeat.tv slash contact. Indeed, and we recommend you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to get started here with some follow-up uh, before we actually get on to the responses from Ryan, who says, via contact, in your recent Chalice Dungeons uh, Part 2 podcast, you missed one interesting stop, and I thought you might want to mention it in case you inspired anyone to follow in your footsteps. Not that you were very inspirational in this instance. <laughs> uh, right before the fight with Yarnum in the great Thumero Ithil uh, Chalice, there's a final offshoot doorway that sounds like you understandably skipped, but just beyond the door is a bath messenger who sells the Sinister Thumeru Ihil, Ilhil uh, Root Chalice, as if you'd want to do more chalices, <laughs> and the uncanny and lost versions of all the old hunter's weapons. I had never seen any of the uncanny or lost as I went through the other chalices and certainly wouldn't want to come back here, so that would be fun to stock up. It costs quite a few blood echoes to get them, get them all, but now I've sated my inner collector and can, well, I'll probably never use them because they're just not that different. It might be worth noting that I already had all the normal versions. I don't know if they'd be available if you didn't. I just thought it'd be worth mentioning on the show. Considering the amount of time you put to get down there, a quick diversion and you can get some neat weapons that you wouldn't get anywhere else. Yeah. Um, you can get them elsewhere. There, those That bath messenger that sells all those things uh, shows up randomly and frequently. Um, so I've run into him in, I think he was in my root thing that I did. Um, Jeremy Greer, uh, had like, has a seed. You can do that. So if you, I'm not, thank you for pointing this out, Ryan. I'm not trying to invalidate that. Mm-hmm. If you want those weapons though, instead of going through all of the chalices, <laughs> just go online and find a, a, a code, yeah. like a glyph. And you can just find one where it's like, oh, the bath messenger is right in the first room and, and they're right there. Yeah. So you can get those uncanny and lost versions uh, easier than doing all the chalices. Yeah, but it's cool that they put one in the uh, in the main path, regardless, right near the end. Yeah, and, and I like that they um, you don't have to have the DLC. Mm-hmm. So this is how you get if you don't have the DLC. This is how you're going to get those weapons. Yeah, yeah, neat. So thank mm-hmm. you uh, for writing in with that. Uh, now mm-hmm. now we're on to uh, kind of the responses, the main body here. Brian mm-hmm. writes in via contact saying. My favorite thing a game can do is to force a player to take on the role of the character they're inhabiting. I can take or leave alternate endings, but Bloodborne handles the distribution of them fantastically. If you're foolish and take what German says at face value, you'll swallow the blue pill and live your life in blissful ignorance of the true powers at play. Fighting German because you don't trust him shows you just how little you know, uh, thinking you've taken down the ultimate power only to, only to discover that he was just a pawn. So, how does one truly uncover the secrets of the Pale Blood Moon? The player must gain insight. 
You know the following before reaching the end game. The old ones search for surrogates for their lost children. Uh, blood has power, and children of the old ones leave behind a third of an umbilical cord. Uh, you can learn uh, from a note in the lecture hall that three-thirds cord has some kind of significance. Forcing the player to take these ideas and put them together into, into a cohesive thought provides such a satisfying revelation. It's the kind of mechanic that something like Indigo Prophecy wants to achieve where the player's actions are in step with the character. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like it is, it is a puzzle mm -hmm. and it does, it's not, um, it's not nearly as esoteric as something like, you know, again, Sigmire's quest to keep bringing that up, but like <laughs> where it feels kind of unfair in how to, to solve it, you know, yeah. um, this doesn't feel like that. Uh, I, I mean, we, we had different reads on the, on the blue pill ending, yeah. you know, from, from the episode, like I'm not so against the blue pill. <laughs> like I'm kind of, I'm kind of into like the older I get, the more I think like, well, you know, whatever, make, if you're happy, that's great. <laughs> like people, you know, it, if I, I, I used to think like, um, like, I, you know, I had a, like a teenager attitude where I was like, happy people are, people are dumb. <laughs> and now I think like, I'm not smart because if I was smart, I'd be happier. You know, like, it's not, uh, like that that's you know what because what else what what else do i got nothing <laughs> you know like enjoying my time here is the only thing i can i can pursue and the only thing that's like i mean not like entirely at the ex expense mm. of other things but like it, it it is you know that's the goal mm -hmm. you know is, is is having a happy life and like just kind of torturing myself with knowledge that doesn't make me happy like that's a good thing to like go mm -hmm. um i think and that's you know so i'm not i'm not so against the blue pill ending yeah and then the blue pill come at me mras <laughs> like <laughs> It's funny. I was I was gonna go even further into that, which is it's an unrealistic ideal to say that uh, that, that there is one you know kind of ubermensch who uh, needs to take the entire world suffering on their shoulders. That's kind of a like that is purely a construct of fiction. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, and yeah. Uh, yes, it can be satisfying in fiction. And, you know, Joseph Campbell can go suck a dick for all yes. I care, <laughs> but, you know, but yeah. it's like it, it is in something where, you know, the, like the <laughs> your interpretation of this is going to really change depending on your personal values. Like, yeah. yeah, it's it's really hard for me to, you know, to to take the most noble and pure, you know, side of this. God, purity is such a dangerous concept. Um, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and and read that as the most virtuous, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to call it, you know, call you out for, for saying that. Like, it's it's a video game. So, yeah. like, <laughs> a hero narrative is kind of implicit in a mm -hmm. lot of ways. But uh, in real life, I don't feel like there's anything. Like, I this again, I, I mentioned the episode. Like, this is the game where I think the bad ending is kind of good. Yep. And and understandable. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sean says, via contact. Hey guys, so happy to see that you're now covering the endgame of Bloodborne after so many months. As has been said before, I think this game has one of the strongest finales in the Souls uh, series, if not the strongest. Even the worst ending is, I think, pretty satisfying, as a legitimate way the story could end, and the visual of the sun rising over Yarnum is beautiful. The You Become German ending is neat too, as it provides that cycle thing we've come to expect from the series, and fits into Bloodborne's themes and of iterations eventually succeeding, which plays into the best ending as well. As for the boss battles, I love the fight with German since it has that classic Souls fairness. I think it's the strongest hunter fight until the DLC and one of the best fights in the game, period. Considering that it was the last fight for me the first time through the game, it was very sa uh, very satisfying to eventually master. The moon presence is a step down, but not by much. As big monster fights go in the game, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, more or less agreed. I think the moon presence is good because it's over pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not, again, yeah, it's not my not my favorite, but it's not bad. It's not mm -hmm. a big monster fight that is offensive. Yeah. 
you know, it, I, I would never say it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's weird because the way that it moves and how quick it is does kind of match the, the, the pace of German's energy in his mm-hmm. fight a little bit. And like they both use the arena in kind of similar ways. Yeah. Did you know I, I know something uh, the, the last time I fought German? Did you know that he can cut down trees? Oh yeah, like he like, will yeah. uh, go and cut through those. Um, and yeah. I, I love the way that like those aren't trees; those those are uh, crucified beasts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They look like they're, they're meant to recall trees. So I don't I yeah. don't feel that bad about it. Like no, no. But it, I mean, it's they're supposed uh, to read as such. But yeah, they, if they look, yeah. you look too close. But yeah, it's and, cool they uh, can cut them down with his uh, scythe. Cru- crucifixes um, sometimes were called trees. It is said that Christ was uh, born to die upon the tree. Yeah, the um, back in uh, uh, high school, um, why we had a, a friend who was Jewish. And uh, he had this, they got him, we sent away, my friend Zach sent away for this uh, pamphlet that was about converting your Jewish friends to Christianity. Oh, no. As like, well, as a joke. Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hang, I didn't have a bunch of Christian friends. Like, it was yep. a joke. Yep. But they, one of the things was saying, it was said, like, try not to refer to it as a cross. Try tree instead. And it had, like, this, like, vocabulary guide that oh, had that no. in there. And it was like, oof. I, I was more unknowing at the existence of such a pamphlet. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. The, 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 indivi- the individual act act of uh, pronkery. Yeah, was he, he loved it. It was it was definitely a, a goof. A goof. <laughs> yep. so. Yeah. But uh but thank you, Sean. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Yeah. Lane writes in via the contact forum saying Bloodborne ended very strongly. I was utterly floored by that moment when you arrive at the hunter's dream, the only place of peace and rest in the whole world, and find it engulfed in flames. I felt so many emotions. I was scared. I was curious, and most of all, ready to find out what was next. I had found the locked gate very early in the game, and I had a suspicion that it's where I needed to go. The first time I went uh, for the ending, I fought German, and oh boy, what a fight. I believe this is one of my favorite fights in all of the Souls games. Such an excellent duel. I witnessed all three of the endings without seeing any spoilers beforehand, and I found uh, that they all gave an interesting look uh, at the game as a whole. I don't particularly love the fight with the Moon Presence, but that ending was awesome. Who would have thought that the whole game would boil down to the hunter becoming a nasty little worm destined to be a great one? I hope my hunter evolves into a Cthulhu. Yeah. <laughs> He might. Yeah. Cthulhu, go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The worm's got the worm's got to do something. Worm's got worm's got to squirm. <laughs> worm's got hoop dreams. Yeah. <laughs> um, the worm does have hoop dreams. All my friends are people who died. Died. Um, we, that, that's not even like, that's not even a reference to what we're talking about. That's from the Basketball Diary soundtrack. I know. Um, so so like I'm just like thinking, but it's kind of kind of kind of fits um, with what happens there. Yep. Like, poor, poor hunters. Um, Stephen says by contact. Uh, after waking up back at the hunter's dream and finding that the house was on fire, I was actually taken aback at how quickly I had come to the end game. It was certainly quite a sight either way. Since my thoughts on German are tied to the DLC, I'll hold those for later. The fight itself was beautiful, and it was my second favorite pre-DLC. Since my first build was poorly leveled for the endgame, and Migolash and the Wet Nurse are very easy bosses, I actually wasn't able to beat him on my first go-round, but an excuse to play through the game again was welcome. This was also my favorite main game music track from the OST. Hearing the strings swell as German and I dodge nimbly around each other in a white field of flowers with a mansion burning behind us is such a wonderful moment that gave me chills and totally was the reason I kept dying, not my ineptus as a player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, here's a pro tip for anybody who wants to write in. If you're going to say something's your second favorite, let me know what your favorite is because I'm curious <laughs> about that. 
I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But I like how everyone keeps saying pre-DLC, though, which is a nice little preview for how badass the bosses are yep. in the next area we're going to. <laughs> that's a good, yeah. Real froggy, like. Yep. <laughs> yep. You said it, Gooch. Red fried potatoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah yeah but yeah the bosses in the dlc are superb mm-hmm. uh, or at least you know three three of five of them are, are like some of my favorites well two of five are like some of my favorites in the game and then <laughs> one one of them okay well one phase of one of them yes and one of them has my favorite name though okay I, I think there's a name in the dlc the unseated mergo's wet nurse for me <laughs> so yeah you know. uh you've taken some heat recently for your stances on the bloodborne uh, uh ost yeah people people like it a lot more than i do yeah. i think it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't uh i can't remember it i listened to a song and then i don't i couldn't hum it for you if you asked me to like yeah it doesn't stick out for me like i think it doesn't uh yeah i think demon souls is an unfair yardstick well, it, well demon souls is excellent but <laughs> when i was arguing about it on facebook about the not arguing about it, it was civil but talking about it and then somebody brought up the ancient city and I, I realized like part of it is just and we talk about this in all of our shows like mm-hmm. i'm bored by the hans immer singularity like yep I don't like everything sounding like a movie soundtrack. And the thing about the ancient city and demon soul soundtrack is they sound faker. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it is. Like that instrument palette appeals to me. It's not <laughs> orchestra. It's not like new classical music. It's God. not a theme score. It's weird, old synthetic music. And like mm-hmm. when you, you have that kind of, inst- when you can't rely on texture as much, you have to rely on melody. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's why eight bit music sounds is so appealing to me as opposed to, you know, 32 bit music you have to apply a, you know, do melody if you can't do texture yeah and like the the bloodborne music relies a lot on texture um and not very much on melody and that's just always going to appeal to me more like if, if we include the ancient city i think that's my favorite soundtrack of the five like i <laughs> yeah. love that soundtrack. no it's so good it's I, I listen so to that good. every other day at work when i'm trying to yeah. concentrate like just uh like i've got i've got one one playlist that's that mixed in with the breath of fire 3 soundtrack and then mm-hmm. like some like mort garson like uh 70s synth exploration of like occult theme stuff that's it's <laughs> it's super super good like yeah. that soundtrack is is incredible and the demon souls one like it's so uh like it doesn't want to be epic a lot of the time like it's yeah. just like plotting and queasy and gross times and like i always think of the the adjudicator theme which mm-hmm. is just like a like a sideways fart it's so it's so obese sounding as music <laughs> and I'm like, oh this is perfect yep. you know like this, this works really really well for this so mm-hmm. yeah the bloodborne soundtrack didn't do it for me it's not like inside i don't you know before anybody freaks out like i didn't love the dark souls 2 soundtrack either like right you know, Dark Souls is really novel, but then Demon Souls and, and Ancient City are where it's at. <laughs> we we try not to play the uh, play the games with our shield up, but we podcast with our shield up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, <laughs> let's see. Our Graham writes in via contact saying, "By the time I got to the end of Bloodborne, I had no flipping idea what was going on with the story." I tried to put together a plot explanation in the earlier parts of the game, but as the game progressed and more surreal weird jackassery piled up in the narrative i got lost in the story and kind of just gave up trying to understand it despite being totally confused i knew that the confrontation with garriman would be the ultimate fight and what a final boss he was with Gascoigne being my first boss, Garman unintentionally became a perfect bookend for the game. Hmm. Both bosses are aggressive human fighters uh, with very similar skill sets to the player. Garman's fight only exemplified what I loved about Bloodborne's combat. He might uh, be my favorite final boss in the Souls series. 
After the fight, I'm in a, wheelchair, in a wheelchair being pushed around by the Level Up doll. The credits roll, and I just scratch my head. Thank you, Bloodborne, for being the lycanthropic Victorian cosmic horror story directed by David Lynch that I never knew I wanted. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I can see it. I don't, I, this is one of my favorite M-bosses, but I still think I like Gwyn more. Mm-hmm. Um, for reasons that like I, we talked about in that episode. But like <laughs> Gwyn, Gwyn is not a better fight as far as you know difficulty, mm-hmm. but it, I... Like, I feel like the elements work so well in that fight, yeah. like that it's not difficult. It's intentional and great. Like, I love that Dark Souls ends on an anti-climax. Yeah. Ho- like, there's no sense of bombast to it. You know, Ho- holistically is such a nice bow. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I really love that. But the uh, is actually like what I would want to sit down and play with my hands, mm-hmm. you know, like the act- kinesthetically, like the, the German fight is tops. Yeah. And uh, I mean, King Alant is really false. King Alant's really good, too, and, and yeah. is very similar to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that kind of fight is very you know, very, very strong. This is probably a little bit, I probably like this a little bit more than that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm about to say coming hot off the heels of, and by that, I mean a year later, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but coming hot, hot off the heels of, uh, Nashandra boy, oh boy, uh, are all of those fights you just mentioned much better than the, the, the Nashandra fight. Nashandra is not very good, but I actually like Aldia. Yeah. Like oh, Aldia's, yeah. I yeah. think Aldia is a good final fight for that game, but Nashandra is <laughs> not great. No. Um, yeah, as a fight. So, yeah. um, yeah, Robert says via contact. Uh, video games across the board often have difficulty presenting its audience with an unhappy ending. The player has fought hard to reach their goals, and they're expecting to be heralded for their actions. Otherwise, they may sign a misguided change.org petition demanding an alternate closure. <laughs> I think it's a Mass Effect reference, and I don't even like Mass Effect. It is. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Japanese RPGs often include multiple endings, both good and bad, but the bad endings are almost never considered canon and often require jumping through numerous hoops to reach. Humans do not win in Lovecraft stories, and how could they? Faced with Eldritch abominations, they are either destroyed outright or their minds are shattered at best. Lovecraft's protagonist may find the truth, but that truth is irrevocable and unrestrainable. A video game ending that adheres to these conventions is still a rare and gutsy move. Even a few Lovecraft-inspired games, such as Eternal Darkness and Shadow Hearts, have positive outcomes if the right choices are made. I didn't know what to expect from Bloodborne's endings, but I was impressed and thrilled that the game kept on Lovecraft's worldview instead of taking the easy and or instead of taking the easy way out. Each of the game's three endings involves the player succumbing to a more powerful force. You may succumb to Gurman, resulting in banishment from the dream without closure or outright death, depending on your interpretation. You may succumb to the dream itself, replacing Gurman as its administrator and eternal servant, or you may succumb to the will of the Great Ones, cast off your humanity to become their heir slash heiress in otherworldly ambitions. The overarching message sounded across the endings is clear. Things will never be the same, and it's mysterious, foreboding, and fantastic. In the case of the last ending, I do think it's a little weird that the story is continued in Splatoon, but hey, inappropriate tonal shifts are what JRPGs are all about, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they cut you out become the become a fi- kid and a squid. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. the, the final question Garman asked you yes. is not accept oh. your death, but it was kid yeah. or squid. <laughs> are you a kid or a squid? <laughs> It's always time for the hunter's helper to determine. It makes it sound like uh, it's, 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 it's not like you're uh, from Boston. Hey, <laughs> I got kid or squid. The, uh, that was in Boston. I don't know what that was. The, uh, but hunter's helper then makes it sound like uh, noodles and sauce mix you add to eat hunters when their kids are squids. Yep. Like, yeah, a little bit. Like, with a little bit of ink. Yeah, makes it makes some chili chili mac with ink squid sauce. Ooh. Um, that's gross. <laughs> um, yeah, if you like, I I mean the, the I think the Robert is is super on point. Other than the fact that I think that the 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 death ending is just literally you refusing to participate in the Lovecraftian narrative. Mm-hmm. 
you know, but it, it does keep that as an option, which nobody in Lovecraft stories do. But um, <laughs> well, there's nothing saying he doesn't hang himself in an asylum cell later. <laughs> that's totally true. Like that's probably the the unintended postscript. Mm-hmm. It's an acrostic if you read all the developers' names. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, no, but that's a uh, that's on point. It's it's mm-hmm. weird. I think we're far more charitable to that ending than a lot of people are. Yeah, I think that people probably because I wonder if they just thought that like that was the afterlife where you actually died or something. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, I don't. I really don't think so, given the fact that there are you know people in uh, in the real world, like or there are hunters out in the real world. Who, uh, who made it out like I feel like that's the path because yep. they had to get out somehow if they dreamed before and no longer dream mm-hmm. why not like they didn't become Germans they didn't become slugs yeah they had to do something I think that they they got killed by German yeah and we're not so. quite squaring the circle with uh, why they appear in the dream if we're to take the real world as the dream but mm-hmm. yeah that's true I don't no. know that, that, that gets into stuff that I'm I, I, I don't feel there is anything in the text to support one argument or the other so we have to yeah I don't actually yeah. know what's what's real yeah, neither do I so. Doug writes in via contact saying so I thought I got the bad ending for a while but the more I thought about it the more I realized that they're all bad in true Lovecraftian fashion I wound up taking German's place since my actions rendered only two of the chords obtainable uh, I thought the ending where German severs you from the dream and you end up uh, waking in Sunny Yarnum was the good outcome, but consider this. The Sunny ending occurs if you slay Murgo, uh, but that is a, prerequis- a prerequisite for all of the endings. Supposedly, that quest was undertaken to end the Mensis ritual and, by extension, the Beast Plague. After all, Nightmare Slain, right? The German ending implies you take over as custodian of the hunter's dream, but if the Nightmare was truly slain, the hunt is over. So what are you presiding over? The flaming workshop was to imply the purpose of the dream is fulfilled and uh, being no longer necessary, it is being consumed. The only way the dream would uh, still need a keeper would be if the hunt continues, so the Sunday ending must not be a lie. This is also true of the slug ending. Becoming an infant's great one also implies that the hunt is over, since the system is produced. Um, so, sorry, since the system produced the sought-after cosmic reproduction, but your slug form uh, is with the doll in the dream. Since the hunter's dream still exists, it may be that your slug form is like Rom or the Brain, a great one technically, but not a true heir, not the true heir that Erden wanted. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting trying to view these endings not only separately, but how they uh, play off of each other. Yeah. 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 I uh, I agree. I'd be curious. I kind of want to go back and watch some of the footage from the uh, from the specifically the uh, you you're you're a slug mare ending um, mm-hmm. and really any of them to see if you're in the hunter's dream or if you're at the workshop in the real world, quote unquote. Oh, would you be able to tell? I have no idea. I, yeah, I don't think I don't know if there would be you'd be able to tell based on the the camera angles and the like that they're they super you. tight. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super tight. I watched them again today, mm-hmm. and I don't think that you'd be able to see. But the idea of them kind of setting up shop in the actual like that is interesting because then what if it's you know because there's already a doll there. Mm-hmm. Well, Not maybe, that they don't. Maybe this this slug was deposited in the in the in the quote unquote real world, and, and that doll becomes box. alive. Yeah, in the slug deposit yeah. box. Yeah, and you just drop yeah. them off at a church or fire station or a workshop, and you know yeah. you're all good. Uh, Thirty yeah. days, you're 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 set. Yeah, it's mensis, right? Once a month. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but maybe the maybe the, the 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 doll comes alive. You know, again, body hopping, as it were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, body hopping, bottle popping. Yeah, crush models, drinking yeah. 40s 
<laughs> yeah, with the shorties. <laughs> the uh, yeah, the, the yeah, because that's interesting. If you're if there, I just never considered the idea that you might be in the in the actual real world mm-hmm. shop. Um, um, regardless, yeah. the, the the kin ending, um, Slugmare, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. that remind you of the ending of Shadow of the Colossus? Oh yeah, 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 I guess, yeah. That's true. I didn't actually put that together, but you're right. It does. Given given uh, Miyazaki's affection for that yeah. uh, for that series, what a good let's just do that again for Watch Out for Fireball. <laughs> it's like, what a good game. <laughs> like, um, mm, Shadow of the Colossus. Mm. Um, I love you, Shadow of the Colossus. Um, yeah. Yeah, all interesting stuff to think about. Yeah, but that definitely reminds me of that of that ending. Um, Kilo, uh, Kylo says via contact, uh, Bloodborne is less about blood than sight. Eyes feature prominently into enemy designs, and insight is referred to as eyes on the inside, so we should pay special attention to characters' relationships to eyesight. Alfred is a stand-up bro when you first meet him and only covers his eyes when he per- perpetuates uh, one of the most gruesome acts in the game. When the executioners have Annalise beaten, they don't chain her up, they trap her in a mask that blocks her eyesight and make her uh, tower invisible. The Beast Plague affects the eyes, the eye of the blood drunk hunter, and the character, uh, and that's an item that shows up in the DLC, but it's mm-hmm. not really a spoiler. Um, and the characters uh, have contracted it, who have contracted it, cover their eyes with bandages. Gascoigne, Amelia, Blood Minister, Afflicted Beggar. They're blinding themselves uh, to their sickness and end up becoming Beast because they won't face it. Many characters have similar relationships with sight. The bigoted old man wears his rumpled hat low over his eyes, and we know he's untrustworthy. Adela is facing into a wall when we first meet her because she can't bear to see the horrible position she's in. Further, Adela hates you for talking with Ariana, which we know it's because she looks at you when you do. The only character with naturally uh, restricted eyesight is the blind Erden Chapel dweller, who is genuinely a nice person the entire game. Uh, there are a lot more examples and a lot more situations, especially in the DLC, but in relation to the endgame, this can tell us a lot. If we choose to face the Arnhem sunrise, we lived through the night and saw another day. We see the sunrise and do not look back. Does this mean we're forgetting the truth that we've learned? Jura and Eileen speak of the hunt, but not of the eldritch nature that lies at the heart of the conflict. If we take the honoring wishes ending, we are captivated by the moon presence, and we watch over the hunter's dream, unable to look away from the dream and becoming trapped within. We know this is horrible since the night blocks all sight. In the childhood's beginning uh, ending, we may have evolved, but into something that cannot care for itself, something helpless and without eyes. It's ambiguous, but I believe there is a solid clue to the ending of Bloodborne. The only character who truly has eyes on the inside is the plain doll, and she tells us over and over to find your worth in the waking world. I, mean, I can see that meaning either the Yarnum Sunrise or finding personal worth outside the Dreamy Weemy game itself, so yep. in the real world. Yeah, uh, supporting the hey, you know what? Just the the real ending, the real ending is turning off the game. Yeah, yeah, which I'm always a, a fan of. Yeah, Spec Ops. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh... Why do you say that like the Sega guy? <laughs> Spec Ops. <laughs> Make that commercial. <laughs> you thought you were a hero, didn't you? Spec Ops. <laughs> How many people were alive in Dubai yesterday? Spec Ops. Um, <laughs> yeah but uh yeah what what a good response i know right that's really good um like i think like some of it you know it not necessarily meaningful that jura and and eileen don't talk about eldritch truths mm -hmm. like they don't they don't get that far into it they're in yarnum you know so they don't go with them cross the bergen border you know (laughs) or anything like that so like uh but it is it is interesting that they don't 
you know, if they had been like, holy shit, there's Amagdalas everywhere. <laughs> like you'd think that they would, that'd be useful. Yeah. Useful information. Um, so, yeah. so, so, so two things. Um, I didn't really like, I, until he listed all those off, I didn't realize how many people had their eyes occluded. It's fucking everywhere. Even Jura. He has a yeah. half, half of his face covered by bandages I'm looking at. And mm-hmm. then Eileen, she's got that mask on. Yeah. She's wearing a crow mask and we don't know what kind of, what kind of situation she's got on, uh, under there. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. No, I, I definitely noticed it. Like everybody's, you know, yeah, nobody, and nobody's I, got I noticed it with the, with the, with the, with the statuary and like specific people for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of saw that just kind of like, okay, yeah, that's, that definitely makes some sense to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and then the, you know, uh, uh, Kylo is, is saying that the, um, this is the specifically occluding your eyes is to not see what's happening or to like turn away, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is interesting. Like that's, yeah. uh, you know, that's a, that's an interesting, I mean, I think that I feel like there are in-game explanations for why they, people cover their eyes, mm-hmm. right? Like, doesn't it say, it says on the choir blindfold, I think. Um, and it's to see better with, like, your fake eyes or your eyes on the inside or something like that. Like, Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, to, it's to uh, fake it till you make it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I still, I really like that thematic explanation. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to yeah. read the first uh, Just Fun In as well. Yes. Because it's short. I don't want to yeah, read two super yeah. long ones in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the Just Fun In section, uh, Willem says via contact, I know this message is sort of mundane, but my name is actually Willem, and I absolutely love seeing some pathetic zombie man in a rocker that is important as shit with the same name. It warms my heart seeing anyone pronounce my name correctly as Willem and not the usual William. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Happy, <laughs> happy to indulge. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's the least we can do. <laughs> yeah, the least we can do is say your name right. <laughs> whatever anyone, if, if somebody is like, I'm like, is it Jimmy or James? And they're like, oh, whatever you want. I'm like, no, no you, like, let me know. Don't please. give that to me. Like, yeah, like <laughs> it's you. Like, I don't, I don't need to have that kind of dominion over you. God. Like, I'd, I'd like too many times when I was young that I used like the haha. I'm just saying the fun version of your name. And sure, like only my mom calls me that. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like okay, yeah. well, <laughs> yeah. Okay, William. Yeah, okay. I won't call you Billy. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So more just fun in here. Jeff writes in via contact saying, I wonder at the interpretation of Frenzy as a Call of Cthulhu-style madness mechanic. After all, the game already has a mechanic in place to cover that particular aspect of cosmic horror role-playing, and having more than one with different names seems a bit messy and unsouls-like. Instead, I like to think of them as opposites referring to insight and frenzy being opposites insight is what you as a character accumulate as you learn more of the eldritch truths and witness more of the hidden world the great ones uh, and the great ones all around you Um, it makes you see the world differently and dispels illusions it also makes you much more sensitive to frenzy which in my theory doesn't represent your character's understanding of cosmic reality instead frenzy frenzy represents how aware you are uh, sorry how aware of your character that cosmic reality is so saying the the reality is aware of your character right um consider the primary situations in which frenzy is a mechanic in the game when a false god grabs you and focuses on you next to urden chapel when the winter lanterns have direct line of sight to you and not the other way around which makes sense of that particular irritation while they hold onto the character in their mind the character is subject to the effects uh, maybe the bar continuing to fill after you've broken line of sight represents the lanterns continuing to think about you for a brief time. The brain of Mensis seeing you in the nightmare of Mensis is the same way. In the case of the winter lanterns and the brain of, Men- of Mensis, their attention is so piercing and thorough that it manifests physical spears that pierce your character and the poor dead hunters all around you. 
There are some holes in the theory. When the eyeball pigs breathe on you, or Briatus pukes blood on you, uh, you accumulate frenzy, which is dumb no matter what theory you personally believe. Why not one of the other two poison types in the game, huh, Miyazaki? But I really like the idea of cosmic entities so powerful and so alien that they literally pin poor hunters to the ground with manifested spears of thought and attention. It highlights the ineffable nature of the Great Ones and their servants um, and makes intentionally attracting their attention seem as dangerous and reckless of a mechanic as uh, as a mechanic rather um, as it is in the lore. Um, and then he goes on to say nice things about us, which is cool. But he also concludes uh, also seriously fuck frenzy. <laughs> yeah yeah that's interesting yeah um i don't think like when you say it's two things that are sloppy because they're in place of the same thing um i think i said this in the very first like bloodborne basics episode mm-hmm. is that insight is not um meant to be your sanity score it's meant to be your cthulhu mythos score mm-hmm. um which is so in the in the tabletop game there's two different numerical representations that have to do with this is one is how much you know about the elder truth and then one of them is how affected you are by it Mm-hmm. And they're and they function differently, and that's how I always viewed frenzy and an insight mm-hmm. in uh, in in Bloodborne. But I like this idea too. Yeah. So, but I don't think I don't think it's it's necessary because I don't think it's just because I'm saying it's not necessary doesn't mean I don't like it or it's not good. But I don't think it's uh, necessary because of it's not really duplicating the same thing. Yeah. Like uh, and and they they have an interplay in the the tabletop game as well, but it's not they're not the same thing. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, it is a cool. It is a cool idea. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, yeah. it, it it explains the line of sight thing. <laughs> yeah, a, a little for sure. bit. Like none of it makes the mechanic good, but like, you know, it can it can soften the blow at least of. <laughs> I don't get as angry at it while still mm-hmm. being very angry. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, yeah. So yeah, thanks everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for thanks for reaching out and coming out in force. And if you have anything to say about the DLC, uh, please hit us up at duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Yeah. Um, and you know most of the stuff to do. The uh, the tip jar, the Patreon, uh, Facebook, um, any of those kind of things. We like seeing people tweet about us if you have any responses to the show. That is cool. That is a great way to spread the word um, mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, about the show, which is which is always appreciated. Yeah. And uh, if you'd like to join us, um, you know, financially and would like to help us out and, and talk to us in chat rooms all the time, uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv mm-hmm. and uh, you can join our Slack channel for $2 a month. Um, which is which is not very much money, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it helps us out a lot. Yeah, um, so we really appreciate it. Yep. And uh, yeah, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks with um, the the first of the DLC episodes. Well, in one and, week, as or, you're hearing of this. In one week, as you hear this, yes, <laughs> two weeks as a recording. And uh, here are some deleted scenes. Umbasa. Umbasa. We all pray that we will have far more soon. Did you watch the um did you happen to watch the new Mr. Show, watch Bob and David? Yes. Yeah, because the the one of my all-time favorite like freezings where it's like, do you eat like a baby with money? Do we do you eat like a giant baby with money? Fuck I think your body. A, yeah, no, that's it's perfect. Like it's, Chris, Chris, it's really incredible. I hadn't watched the end. Chris watched it, and he's, he said, uh, "With Bob and David, first episode, seventeen forty. I went yeah. right there. It's <laughs> <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's the best thing. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really apt. Like it's <laughs> you just have a couple of days of being like a baby with money. <laughs>
and then yeah yeah i I just finished the the tim and eric book the the zone theory book and they have a whole chapter on like our zone scientists think that food may be connected to health and it's it's all about like this shadowy connection that they can't quite explain (laughs) how food interrelates to health um but it's also disgusting because in zone theory you only eat foods that are white (laughs) um and the way they're put together is really fucking disgusting i'm not i'm not aware of this book or what zone theory is oh well zone theory uh it's it's their fake they have a fake like self-help it's like book like dianetics kind of thing yeah yeah it's it's pretty funny it's it's (laughs) it's well worth reading Hmm. um it's really gross there's there's like a page that's like one of the things that just uh like categorizing your penis stench (laughs) <laughs> um and like the the descriptions of these uh these penile stenches here let me uh i took a screenshot of it to send to somebody because it's it's really incredible it's it's whatever the opposite of poetry is like poetry not used for beauty but uh, this violence penis stench uh these are the five most common penis stenches present in 99.9 percent of pp penis people uh canned sauerkraut Ooh. The smell of old 33, a sour, pungent, overcooked smell reminiscent of misused, people have pissed in it, hippie food, in a composting <laughs> bin on a hot summer day. <laughs> Fermented herring, a salted stink bomb, a gruesome smell of fish that has been embalmed and brine in a tin can for a quarter century, frank and overpowering. <laughs> uh, oh, I, uh, hold on a second, because it, uh, it minimized it. Egg cum. Devil deviled probo semen. Probo probo is the word in zone theory for your semen. Okay. Um, the dried up and kicked on probo from a fat man who eats half a dozen eggs each day oh. and then masturbates onto his belly without washing his hands or cleaning up afterwards. There are bits of egg directly in the penis and entrenched in his probo as well. The resultant smell accurately described as homemade mayonnaise from a discredited recipe. <laughs> discredited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a really perfect word there. That's so good. I, I like the idea of a central governing body of mayonnaise. Yeah. This, this recipe has been discredited. It has been banned in some countries. Like homemade homemade mayonnaise from a discredited recipe is one of my favorite like turns of phrase that I can mm-hmm. think of in a really long time. That's very evocative. <laughs> Oh. But yeah, you, you should you should read zone zone theory if you get a chance. Hmm. It's pretty funny. I will I will take a look at it. Mm-hmm. D- speaking of crazy things, did you read that uh the the Silent Hill wiki thing? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's really that's really great. Um, I I, I need to uh, uh, like there are, there are references to it that I don't understand the full uh absurdity of it mm-hmm. because i don't know the source material yeah it's still like a really fun crazy hole though mm-hmm. oh no i mean just uh <laughs> the, the, there's really nothing like what's crazy is nothing in the text supports what he's saying so it's pretty much entirely just the illuminati government and dark religion mm-hmm. so like all of the commentary specifically the Voidberger um put in put mm-hmm. in there has references to stuff and like like that's where the majority of the of the create you know mm. of, of like the subject matter can help you understand it but like within it the like the joke is that he's not like just there's there's nothing that he can pull from. yeah it's really it's really bonkers yeah and there's uh that's very bonkers <laughs> my favorite thing in there was his argument that he is in the best position to do yeah. this because he was four years old when the Gwen yeah. Silent Hill came out. His, clarif- or his qualifications. 
It's real good. It's kind of like whenever whenever somebody uh, uh, leads with their qualification as lifelong gamer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, congratulations, buddy. Like, oh, man. So I, I, a friend of mine was telling me about this thing um, where they interviewed somebody at his work. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the job like required the customer service interacting with people. And the guy, uh, his qualification after they they did ask if he would be okay, he said he'd been dungeon mastering for 15 years. Uh oh. And then when they uh, were good, they got his name and stuff after after they did the interview. He said, "That's my name. Nobody calls me that. Call me Grim." <laughs> <laughs> Like it, it sounded amazing. What was like, it? Uh, was this friend? Wait, 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 it wasn't damning. He had been LARPing. That's what oh, it was. I've been, okay. LARPing, oh, I've wow. been LARPing for ten to ten to fifteen years or something like that. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, okay, DMing, like that has a little bit of you know, you're 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 dealing with people and you're resolving disputes and you're like doling out information. I can still, but LARPing. Yeah, no, it was definitely Ooh, LARPing. Like wow. that's how they're that's why they're good at customer service. Yeah, um, Grim. Grim was good at customer <laughs> service. Call me. <laughs> it just if i told you the story about uh about my second grade like orientation like open house Mm-mm. this was the uh the, the the summer uh or it was it was the fall right after the summer that i spent playing a lot of final fantasy 4 and okay. uh or you know 2 whatever um and uh we're going in and you know talking with the teacher and they're like giving me the whole spiel like this is the year it gets serious cole you know this is when mm-hmm. <laughs> the teacher's like you know we're gonna require a lot of responsibility out of you and here's here's seven eight-year-old cole looking up and <laughs> saying well i've been playing final fantasy which is kind of a responsibility <laughs> game <laughs> oh, 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 oh no <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> which oh boy yep no <laughs> in my yeah. mind again seven eight years old no, i was I, thinking i'm keeping things alive i'm keeping numbers up it's cool <laughs> yeah I, yeah that's rough though yep <laughs> like i don't know i don't think if if i was in real life and like there was a kid who said that in front mm-hmm. of me i wouldn't be able to laugh at him or make fun of him i just like i I, I, I wouldn't want to because it's a kid but at the same time like i'd be like <laughs> you know? yeah like, Come on, buddy. I don't remember what the, what the reaction was aside from oh, I don't think she had any context for it. No, so. no, she just she just like you're just like I like video games. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> but uh, just whenever I see anything or hear anything like that, like you know, and yeah, that you get soft skills from doing all this kind of stuff, right? But uh, but all I can do is think back to just the the revulsion that I feel now as a 28 year old yeah. man thinking about when I was a quarter my age. Um, and saying that thing when I didn't yeah. know better, and I was at all the best intentions. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's a bad thing to say. <laughs> yep. Shouldn't shouldn't say that. Let's go to the principal's office for that. Well, like, all right. Well, I'll go back <laughs> and make sure yeah. not to do that again. Yeah. When, if, when, if, when the universe co- you know collapses back on itself and then reexpands on the next cycle, I'll make sure. Aren't there to be I... like a Billy Madison esque scenario where you have to redo <laughs> second grade in order to not say that? Oh, I'm pretty sure Mrs. Taylor is dead as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You should probably write a note and leave it at her tombstone, though. <laughs> like, her ghost is probably restless at this point. I'm sorry I said dumb video game things. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I, I should also just leave that on my gravestone. It's true. That should probably be written on. There are probably several gravestones, <laughs> which that should be should written, should be written I'm on. I'm sorry I said dumb video game things. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> 